1: Actually, let's just talk. Well, you know what? Let's um let's get into talking about overthinking because Mm -hmm. we were just talking about that. It's good context to get started (laughs) with. So welcome to your best life, my best life, and my best best life. life. What's going on? This is Jill. And it's Danny J what's going on y'all we are excited to chat today because we um we just actually talking before we turn the mic on about a big decision that danny is making very soon um and we wanted to talk about the idea of sort of overthinking decisions how to <laughs> how we both maybe make decisions um and what you know is can how do how do we know if it's a big decision that's the thing is we've kind of talked about like is it your perspective yeah how do you approach some of these things so do you want to give people some context
0: yeah i will but first i do also want to say you know i i hear from so many women and just people in the DMS talking about how they overthink things. And so many, like for me, I generally make very quick decisions. I'm pretty spontaneous. So I don't really identify with myself being an overthinker, but I know there's a ton of people on here who probably do. They're like, I'm an overthinker. I'm always overthinking things. And that one of the reasons I think it becomes a problem sometimes is missing opportunities where you're just analyzing and that what they call it and paralysis by analysis. And so overthinking can be a problem, but some decisions that need to be made, maybe need to be thought through. Like they're not just the spur of the moment decisions. And the one I'm making right now is getting a dog, getting a puppy, actually not just a dog. And if you've been seeing me on Instagram, I've been talking about this for a long time. In fact, there's been some followers of mine that are like, just get the fucking dog around. Like they're yelling. (laughs) I'm like, okay, sorry. They're like, I'm so think they're tired of seeing my shit about puppies. And I'm probably making everybody tired of it. Um, no more than myself, but, uh, I've had dogs my whole life. And so I haven't the last three years, my puppies died within eight months of each other. And I decided at the time, this was like, I'm not going to get another dog. This is my time to travel. And I have been traveling pretty much nonstop since then until 2020, of course. And I've been really feeling this pull and even more so since my mom died, I've been like, okay, now I'm really ready. Maybe I just, maybe I just needed a little bit of puppy snuggles and like, I don't know, whatever puppies give you after you go through something, a a loss like that, but really seriously since August. And there have been at least four dogs that have kind of like, we just missed like the opportunity came up and either somebody got the dog right before us or just something happened. And we just, you know, we left or whatever it was. So I have been massively, um, starting to like panic and overthink this dog thing. I've been looking at dogs upset every single day, like I've been looking in multiple states, like Texas, Colorado, Utah, Nevada. I've been looking at shelters. I flew to Tulsa for a week to look at stuff there, and I stopped at a dog shelter there, like to even look at dogs. And like this is the obsession that it's been for months. Not not the number four, but many, maybe like six or seven. And um, so I've been overthinking this dog thing. I finally picked my dog. I knew exactly what I wanted, and the only thing I shifted was the breed slightly, and I found the dog. I put a deposit on it. And then I couldn't sleep that night. And the next morning, I freaked out and I almost like went back on it and I still am kind of iffy on it. So we wanted to talk about this. Like, why, why am I making a big deal of this? But also just what are these decisions that should, and shouldn't be made a big deal of. And I I actually do think that getting a dog, it's very life-changing. It's like having a baby too. Not quite the same, but it does change your life. You do have to be more. It's not like I'm making I'm overthinking changing my hair color, you know, something I could just shift back. However, some people probably make a big deal and overthink that even like, should I change Mm -hmm. my hair? Should I get a haircut? I mean, spend months agonizing and agonizing. So I thought it'd be a good conversation Mm -hmm. to talk about.
1: You know, it's so good. I mean, I would say the dog thing for sure. So we can kind of talk about specifically what you're maybe struggling with the thing I remember. So I got my first dog. I had never had a dog before. And as you guys know, I've told the story about Pip and uh, walking in front of me on the leash. So you guys know, but it was 2016 and I had been single for about a Year and I was living by myself in Santa Monica. And I remember just being like, okay, I've been traveling a lot. I'm good. I'm like going to stay here for a while. I was reading all the dog books, like Cesar Milan, like his entire library books, was like getting ready. And literally within three days of picking up Pip, I was literally like, I ruined my life. Like, not because she's not the cutest and dogs aren't amazing, but I like felt chained to my house. And one of the biggest values of both you and I is autonomy. So I was like, oh my God, I can't just leave now. Mm-hmm. Or like this dog needs me for everything. I'm staring at it. I'm watching it more than I'm not watching it. And if you have ever had a puppy, you guys know that's literally like you declare clear your schedule. And I remember being like, I can't just up and leave, which was what I did, you know. Especially last year, my marriage was like this thing over here is uncertain. Let me go do something on my own. Let me leave. Let me take off. Let me take a trip. Let me. It just put me in my power. And I remember thinking, Oh my God, what did I just do? And I remember not wanting to share it on social media at first because I was like, What if I give this trick back? Like I literally was like, What if I drive her all the way back? I got her in Phoenix. What if I take her all the way back? And we just took it one day at a time. And now, of course, you know, it took her about. Two years to really like calm down and be like just super chill. But yeah, it does change your life. And obviously, you know, we don't have like young kids, but I think people every day are out here being a first time mom. Yeah. Like I think you're ready intellectually, but I don't think you can ever be ready experientially, like until you have the thing, you know, like I was super uh, ready. Okay. I knew everything about puppies. If the dog does this, this is how I train it. This is how I discipline it. Like I knew in theory what to do. She showed up. And it was a shit show. And I think that's what happens with parents too. And so then it goes, do you then always opt to not have the thing or right. do you? And I think this is where I, I've gotten with a lot of my big decisions is my, I, and I think if you're listening to this, you probably have experience with this in whatever realm. I think sitting in limbo is actually harder than just oh. making a decision like this, uh, this feeling, especially if you're in a relationship that you're not sure if you're going to stay or leave or what's happening with, it, or even a job, if you don't know if you stay or leave, and those periods of uncertainty and that holding pattern always lasts so much longer than we want it to. We're like, ah, "I just wish I knew the answer." So, oftentimes making a, a hasty decision or making a definitive decision makes us feel in our power. Mm. So, I always try to default to that cuz I hate the feeling of uncertainty and I just say to myself, "Okay, do I trust myself to figure this out if things go sideways? Like what yeah. would I actually do? Like what, yeah. you know, and there's definitely been decisions I made that I'm like, yep, not the right decision, but you know what? I'm going to own it. I'm going to ride it out and I'm going to make the best of it. And I'll never fucking do this again.
0: (laughs) It's so true that the uncertainty and the limbo is definitely
1: the worst. (laughs) That's what you're in right now. It's like worse.
0: So I literally drove. So this dog is in Salt Lake city. It's about seven hours. Well, not Salt Lake, but near there. We drove seven hours to go see her for about 45 minutes. And because I wanted to see her parents to see if they were good looking dogs. I wanted to see how she behaved. I wanted to see her in person, even though I seen photos and all that. And then drove seven hours back just for my peace of mind, which I did not get any peace of mind. <laughs> so <laughs> um, okay, actually, I, w- I have a question for you. When you were thinking about getting a dog, so like you were reading all the books and stuff, did you? know what you wanted to get and you just got it or like how quick was the decision once you're like I'm getting a dog to getting her.
1: it was really quick actually it was probably yeah. like two weeks so um there was actually there was a palm ski puppy at the gym I went to. I was Mm -hmm. going to a CrossFit gym and there was a Pomsky puppy. And I was like, this is the fucking cutest dog. So for those of you who don't know, Pomsky is half Pomeranian, half uh, Husky. And it was a puppy when I saw it. And I was like, this is the fucking cutest dog. And I, I had been like thinking maybe in the abstract, I would get a dog. Then I just started looking at them and I was like, this is the cutest fucking dog. I found one on Facebook. And the thing with pomskis is people really like the husky eyes. And so I couldn't find any litters that would be ready like right now that would have like the husky eyes, except this one breeder um, in like Arizona was like, well, we don't have any, but we have these kind of like these two little runs of the, of the litter that no one wanted, because they don't have the Husky eyes, And they're also only 25% uh, Husky and 50% Pomeranian. So they'll stay a little smaller or 75% Pomeranian. They'll stay a little smaller. And I saw a little video or a little, a couple little pictures of Pip. And I was like, yep, that's my dog. Literally had a plane ticket booked to Arizona picked her up within two weeks.
0: (laughs) I love it. See, I think the quicker decision is the easier one. So I found a dog and you know, there was one that I saw online on yep. Instagram. I was like, this is my dog. Like, I want it now. Yep. I went to go get it. Um, I asked what we need to do. They said we needed to fill out this adoption paper. I went to my dad's house, filled it out. And I was like, let's go back right now and tell them. And then somebody was holding the dog and like leaving with it. And I was like, damn it. And I was like, I felt in my heart that that was my dog. I like, I had named her in my brain. I mean, it was very quick, but it was just like that. That's my dog. And so I think that this, this, um, since that's happened a couple of times now that I've got, I've built up this like anxiousness of like, well, maybe it's not mine. Maybe she's not mine. And I was like, I want to feel that feeling that like, this is my dog.
1: Mm -hmm. I know, but I think that was one of the first, that was one of the first instances you had though. I think it's easy to feel honestly. And this is like, I think my high level, like answer to this is like, I always think your first, your like gut instinct is the one. I really think it is. And I know that's like an oversimplification, but I think once you start thinking about all the like, what ifs and whatever, that's when you start backtracking and you start going, well, maybe it's not. And that's when you, when what was certainty and confidence on your part now turns into like, Maybe I, you know, like second yeah. guessing, self doubt, like doubting the situation. So I know that's like an oversimplification. And if you guys are listening to this, I know we're having like a long conversation about dogs right now. But if you guys know Danny, <laughs> she literally loves dogs more than like anyone I know. So that's why this is such an important thing. And you haven't had one for three years, but you've always had dogs. Yep. Like wherever we are, Danny's always like hanging with the dog, like literally would let Pip like <laughs> lick up her nose. This chick is wild. <laughs> that's I why love- this is such a big deal. <laughs>
0: (laughs) it is such a big deal, but you know, I think it actually, there are lessons across this because it's, it's like for me right now, it's about dogs, but for someone else, it's about moving to a new house, like buying a new, buying a new car. It's about shifting your, changing your job and doing something new and big. I mean, something that will alter your life and maybe it doesn't as much as you think it will. And maybe that's the, the whole overthinking process. I started to think about in the past, I I was telling Joe before we started recording, I was going, I never thought about the dog before we just saw a dog and we're like, yep, this dog lives with us now. And I didn't think about it's going to live for 12 to 15 years and it's going to be in my life. And now I'm starting to go, oh my gosh, this is a 15 year commitment. And if I get it and I I'm having all these thoughts and maybe it's part of the reason now is because. Sometimes there's like the ignorance is bliss factor. Maybe it's because going through a divorce and like thinking when I got married the first time that it was going to last forever and it didn't. And so I'm mm-hmm. having these thoughts that didn't come up before because they never were an issue. And so now, like, and I think maybe one of the adoption papers. It was like, if you, who do you live with in your household, and if you split up, who gets the dog? And I was like, oh my god, why do I have to fill this out? This is so weird. <laughs> but you know, those kind of questions are making me go, oh, this is a big fucking decision, and it is so. For someone listening too, who's like, I want to quit my job and it's six figures. And I want to do this thing that I love over here, but you, you're always going to have these questions and maybe you'll do this. And this is what, what we did actually. I'm like, okay, I need a visual. We have a whiteboard. I printed all the puppies that we were looking at. There was like, we had narrowed it down to four, which the one we put a deposit on wasn't even, we didn't even see her this day. We were giving like doing pros and cons lists of each. We're like putting a plus and minus and scoring the dogs. And we're like, okay, whichever one we're going to get. But I think, I think there's something to doing a pros and cons list, but this is where I think it really comes down to is the gut feeling. So it's almost like sometimes when I want to make a decision and I I'm having a hard time between two, I'll be like, let's flip a coin. And I know right away, if the coin lands on the thing I didn't want, I'm kind of like, ah, and then I'll know like what I actually wanted. And so maybe if I'm trying to give advice to myself and other people is. Like making some of those pros and cons lists sometimes and flipping a coin sometimes as you're doing it, you're kind of like in the back of your mind, you're leaning one way or another, but really trying to decide between two things is freaking hard. And sometimes maybe just flipping a coin and making the decision is the way to go. Like then you're out at the limbo and you're just like, all right, it's going to be right or wrong, but I made a
1: decision. I also think it's just, um. I think it is a little short-sighted to just feel so much permanence too from mm. a decision. You know, I think we forget sometimes how much flexibility there is. So when I got Pip and I literally want to give her back, I remember, obviously I, I kept her as funny. Cause actually someone pulled, I was like walking her one day. It was, I had her for maybe a week. She couldn't walk on the leash yet, but she was tiny. Like, like she looked like just a little ball of fur. I didn't so even know tiny. what she was. I'm like walking her. And this dude in a car pulls up like right next to me, like screeches to a halt right next to me and goes, how much for the dog? My girlfriend wants your dog. Like, how do they even see it? Like it was so small. And I was like, oh yeah, she's not for sale. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> second, I'm like much would I how much is she though? <laughs> of course I did not sell her. Um, you know, but I remember being like, okay, so what are the steps if I want to be able to travel again? what are the steps I need to put in place? Right. Mm -hmm. So I got her into doggy daycare. The problem was I work from home. So like, you know, I couldn't have her like around me. I was trying to take phone calls. She's like barking at me and like ripping my leggings, but like, once I figured out, okay, I, she has a doggy daycare that she likes. That's really good with them. I have other people in my life who want to take her even now, like, you know, we have Keith's family close by and he'll, you know, they take her when we can't take her on longer trips. So you do have to go like, okay, yes, let's look at worst case scenario. Like, okay, let's then what would you do? And I think making decisions, this is something I do. It's called practical pessimism. This idea that you talked about in other episodes, like The idea of like, actually go to worst case scenario, Mm -hmm. like the thing that you don't want to happen. And I think with the law of attraction, people are a little bit like finicky, like, oh, don't even think about, like, don't even think about a bad outcome. I think that's misguided. I would just say, think about it, right? Just like, so, you know, and have all the information can see all the angles, and then go if that did happen, what would I do? Like, what would that look like? And at least once you can kind of start seeing, oh, that and then you ask yourself, if that happened, would you be okay? Could you handle it? Yeah, it wouldn't be awesome, but could I handle it? Sure, I could figure it out. And then you get this surge of just like self-confidence and self-trust that, like, yeah, even if the worst thing can happen, at least I know what I would do. And to me, that's a productivity method. It's like, cool, I can, I can now take the step because I know what the the Thing the worst case would be, and ninety five percent of the time, ninety nine percent of the time, it never comes to fruition. So I think also just projecting and going like, yeah, what would I do? And you could either do something different tactically or change your fucking mindset about it.
0: Yeah, I like that you said the our thought about the permanence of it. It that's probably one of the things that's causing the most anxiety because I'm going, okay, we get this dog and we're we have it for the next twelve to fifteen years. My boyfriend's like if it's an asshole dog, he goes, I have no problem giving it back or sending it away or giving it to another family. If it doesn't work out. And so, you know, I mean, we've all, I love dogs. Like Jill said, there's probably not a dog I, I found that I don't like. However, there's a, once in a while, there's like an asshole dog that's just behaves badly and just shitty. And I was like, what's if, what if it's a shitty dog? He's like, well, we'll get rid of it. And I'm like, we can't, I've never gotten rid of a dog. Like we can't do that. And, and as I started to come to terms with that, that's made me feel a lot better, more calm. Like, okay, you're right. If this is a shitty dog, she's an asshole and she can't behave herself. And we try all the things and it doesn't work. Then she'll just go to a new home. We, I don't know what I'll do. Maybe I'll just leave her in the street as an orphan with a sign. Oh boy.
1: <laughs> no, but the but- DMS are going to start coming in <laughs> this but- episode. Everyone gets touchy when it's a dog. I know it's true.
0: Okay. I won't do that. Hopefully, you know, I'm joking. Um, hopefully, you know, uh, but the idea of, okay, we could always rehome and do something like if we, if we needed to, right. Like things do happen and things do change. I mean, anything could happen that someone could freaking die. Like my grandmother sure. moved to a place and we had to rehome her dog and we were able to. And so, you know, things do happen and you can rehome a
1: pet. And so I would, so just like trust yourself to that. be able to figure out, like, let's say yeah. you want to leave a job, right. Yep. And you're worried because this job that you're currently in is maybe it, you're miserable, but you know, it's at least safe, it's certain, you get a paycheck every two weeks, like whatever, but you're miserable and you want to leave to go do something else that maybe isn't quite as certain. I tell this to my clients all the time. You'll know, like you'll know, because even if you're having the thought of like, I don't want to be in this job anymore, it might take six months, it might take a year, it might take two years, but you're on, it's already in motion. Like the wheels are already set in motion. It's going to happen. One thing's going to happen. One tiny thing's going to happen. And you're like, yep, I fucking quit. So if that happens, when that happens, it's pretty much inevitable. And let's say you go out and you try the, the new thing and you give it, you know, you're trying and you're doing all the things, whatever. And yeah, it's looking like it's not going to work out. Are there not other fucking jobs? Maybe you can't right. go back to the old job, but there's a million jobs. Like right. you can, then you can go get another job where you start getting a paycheck every two weeks again, you know? So I think, and same thing with like, I don't know, moving to a new place, right? Let's mm-hmm. just say you're like, okay, I want to move to a new city. You move to a new city, a lease is a year, right? Everyone can handle a year of something, right? You just figure it out. You change your mindset about it. You make the best of it. And then you start making plans to get the fuck out of there and go somewhere else. Like it, it's fine. One year in the grand scheme of things, isn't that long. You can manage it. You can handle it. I've certainly done stuff in my business where I've over-promised, or I've, I've done something like that. And then like the second I, I kind of see what I got myself into, I'm like, fuck, but I don't backtrack because I promised it. So I ride it out until the commitment is over and then I never do it again. So yes, there might be a a learning curve and there's some like maybe just uncertainty or discomfort or whatever, but it's, it can always be over. You can always make a different decision. There's plenty of decisions. So I think it's also like this, this permanence, this idea of permanence, but also this, this idea of like scarcity. Like I might never be able to do something again. It's like, no, you can always go back. I always tell, we talk a lot about like food obsession, exercise obsession. I always tell people when you're learning moderation or mindful eating or something, diets aren't going anywhere. If you need to go back to a strict (laughs) diet or and hours of cardio, go for it right it's there. Try a new way. And then if you notice that it's not for you, go back to the thing that makes you feel safe. It's always going to be there.
0: It's so true. And I remember even going through my divorce and thinking like when I was finally making the decision, cause the divorce felt so final. I'm yeah. like, if I sign the papers, it's over. There's no going back. But then even that I was <laughs> like, I was well, like actually- wait, my parents actually got divorced for three years and then they remarried each other. So I was like, even divorce isn't fine. Like marriage isn't final, obviously, since we went through that and then even divorce. So you're so right. I mean, there is, there's so many things where we do tend to think our one decision is the thing that's going to change everything. And we can't go back. Now, there are certain things you can't go back on, but you can change right. like what you said, go, um, you, like, perceive that. you can't undo having a child, like the baby's there and you're going to, you can't like shove it back in your vagina and pretend to never, hey, you know, I see
1: it a lot, but that's a good conversation. Obviously I'm not a mom, but you know, I see that a lot with moms, especially because mm-hmm. I work with a lot of women who are driven in their business, want to be successful in business. And they do feel like sometimes they feel Um, I don't want to say resentful, but like Mm -hmm. frustrated that the time they have to spend with the child that they wanted is taking away from the time they want to be spending in their business. And that sucks. But at the same time, I think there's so much freedom and ownership, like owning your choice and going, okay, uh, it was my choice to have the baby. I, you know, yes, it's, it's all this time. So what can I do? You have to get good with that decision. Like in order to, like, you have to get good with that decision. Maybe when we talk about at some point, this will be over, they'll be in school in five years, right? I know it's a long time, but the kid goes to school when they're five or four or whatever, and then you have more time to work on your business. But the idea that you're going to sit there and be frustrated and be resentful about something that you really can't change, you know, that's when you just got to get like, okay, I got my mind, right. (laughs) Like I gotta, Mm -hmm. I gotta get my mind, right. Own my decisions and figure out if I can't spend as much time in my business as I wanted to, what can I do? And can that be good enough for now? So, you know, that's the thing is having a kid, man. And and that's partially why I never wanted children is because I just knew that I would be doing that. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing, but I knew that would take away from what I want to be doing, which is my business mostly. So yeah, I mean, I think there's so much power in just ownership too. Yep. I made that decision (laughs) looking back. It wasn't my favorite, but fuck it. I'm here. How am I (laughs) going to get my mind right?
0: I always wonder. So like I said, at the beginning is I don't identify with being an overthinker. And in general, I am not, I make pretty fast decisions. I, I don't know. It was in school at an assembly or in a class with like a guest speaker, I know it was like a guest person and I can't remember when, but maybe around seventh grade, there was somebody that came in and they said something along the lines of like their dad taught them to always make quick decisions. Cause the faster you make that, like the faster, you know, if you made a mistake, you can fix it or you you're moving forward. And so that always stuck with me. I can't, I can't remember exactly, but the idea stuck with me to just make quick decisions. And then if you fuck up, you're like, cool, I know. And I can readjust quickly. So I've always been one to make very quick mm. decisions and when i think about and when i have clients who say they're overthinkers um i've had a hard time sometimes coaching this because it's not my default to overthink right. but i i do think that se- maybe the process of um overthinking and and i'm just guessing really is the fear of getting it wrong or not doing it right mm-hmm. and you know we've talked about perfectionism and we talked about people pleasing in one of the r- recent episodes and I'm wondering, and I would like to hear your thoughts on it too, because I don't really think, I don't look at you as an overthinker either, mm-hmm. but maybe working with people who have been that way in your experience, do you feel like it maybe stems from that? And I would actually love yeah. to hear people talk in the Facebook group if if they've done some self-awareness to see where they think it comes from.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely not an overthinker. And I'm also not someone who asks people for their opinion much mm-hmm. either. Yeah. Um, I think because when I was younger, I had experience with that and ended up feeling like I couldn't trust my own decisions. Like I couldn't trust myself to make decisions. Cause I was mm-hmm. like, I like in my mind, I knew what I wanted to do, but then I started asking people's opinion. And all of a sudden now I'm more confused than ever. And yeah. so I didn't like that feeling. So I always remember, I think the pain of, um, indecision and the pain of that holding pattern and that pain of the uncertainty is always more for me than getting it wrong. Like mm-hmm. that's more painful to like, the like, just staying in like limbo to me is more painful than just getting it wrong. Like, I just like to get it wrong. I always tell like my clients with, with sales calls, I'm like, just get to the no as fast as possible. Yeah. Like just get there. Like, let's get an answer. I don't like open loops. Yeah. Um, because it takes a lot of brain power away. Right. It's like distraction, distraction. So like, like you've expressed these last few weeks, just being an indecision, it takes away from other things you want to do. So I think for me, um, I always made fast decisions because I was just like, if I'm going to get it wrong, I'd rather just get it wrong so that I can just figure out. And I always remember that indecision is also a decision, right? Inaction is also inaction. Indecision is also a decision. So I think when we think like, oh, I'm not going to get it wrong, you could be getting it wrong by not taking any action, right? So we have a friend of ours, um, shout out Jack. I don't know if she's listening, but, um, and we've had this conversation with her because I coached her in business for a while. And I was like, hey. I know that like some of the sales stuff is a little bit scary for you and it takes a little bit of time. Are you ready to ask for money? I was like, you've done your due diligence. You're an expert at what you do. You know, I've kind of given her like a little pep talk and she's gotten a lot better, but we did have a conversation. She goes, you know, I always make a decision, but I I, she's, and she did, like we were talking about, like with the vaccine and stuff for a while, she didn't get it, not because she wasn't, she was an anti-vaxxer, but she wanted all the information and she did. She talked mm-hmm. to several doctors. She, you know, read a lot of research and she did a lot more, I think, research than most people do. And then she ended up getting it. So she was like, it's not that I don't want to, I just know myself and I need all the information first. Yeah. So as long as you know that that's who you are and eventually you will push yourself to make a decision either way then that's your process and that's fine. I personally would rather just get it wrong because I just, I always said action is a great elucidator. You don't know what's going to be next until you just do it. So for you, like get the dog yeah, and have that experience, you know?
0: I think you brought up a really good point that made me think of one reason that somebody may be an overthinker is that, You you know when you're not making a decision, it's making a decision. It's that piece of um, maybe it not being your fault, but also a distraction in a way to Mm -hmm. distract from other stuff like the real stuff. So you know during this time while I'm sitting here obsessing over what did you do about this dog, it's definitely keeping me from doing other shit, right? And so I think that that can also be a coping slash defense mechanism of. If you find yourself being a chronic overthinker and putting the quotes, like you identify with that, are there things you're avoiding in your life? And this is your excuse to not make other decisions. Cause you're like, oh, I'm trying to make this decision. And so you're avoiding, um, you're avoiding something, right? You hear the
1: thing. If you make a decision, there's accountability, right? Mm-hmm. Like the second you make a decision, there's accountability. Okay. Now there's a responsibility. And I think what happens to a lot of people, I'm very like hyper aware that like, I'm just making this decision right now. Like this doesn't mean I'm making 10 decisions from now. You know what I mean? I'm just making the first one. So I think a lot of people think, especially with like build, I hear this all the time from people, like new entrepreneurs. I want to start a business, mm-hmm. but my whole thing is like, cool, do it. Like, but I think they think, then I have to get an LLC and I have Mm -hmm. to set up a, you know, I have to get a logo and I get a website. And so instead of just starting a business, which Danny and I would just say, just post something on social media, like you just start a business, right? Like but I think a lot of people go, I don't want to start it because Mm -hmm. then they project the 10 other things that now they're on the hook for.
0: Yeah.
1: And I'm like, you just it's just one decision, it's the first thing. Yeah. And then once you get through step one, step two will reveal itself. And then you can decide if you want to do that. Then you can decide if you want to do that. So you're not ready for like the thing 10 steps from now, right? You don't know what software to use. And you don't know, you know what team member to hire. You don't know that stuff yet but you do know how to post on social start there. So I think, you know, if you find yourself feeling permanence or that you're now on the hook to Danny's point, that might be even scarier. It's like, Oh shit. If I say I'm doing this thing, especially if you declare it publicly, Mm -hmm. I'm starting a business, I'm running a 10 K I'm running a marathon. Like all of a sudden there's accountability, there's responsibility and Oh shit. I got to follow through. That was honestly my productivity system. When I was doing shows, I would just declare that shit and be like, all right. Yep. Now I have to. <laughs> I, yeah. Now I'm not going to fucking, I'll do anything I can to not en- embarrass myself on stage. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so funny.
0: Oh my gosh. I, um, so, so we've been listening to, oh, I wanted to ask you about this. We've been listening to the Will Smith book since yep. we had a 14 hour drive. So we're almost done with it. But the new Will Smith book, um, co-written by Mark Manson and I'm touring end- Yes. And it's oh, so good. Yeah. Like having an actor read a book. I was like, this is really, I know. Really I felt good. that way when
1: I listened to Matthew McConaug- McConaughey's.
0: And there's um like he's got he's like rapping in it, he's doing like there's some music and kind of like different things that are not in a normal cool. audiobook. Um, but we're towards the end, and he's uh Will Smith is getting to this place where he's looking at his life going, I have all of the things like I'm winning when I like I'm I'm on a winning streak, and yet my life isn't working out. Like my wife is saying I'm egotistical, my kids aren't like things aren't happening right with my children. And so he's kind of going on this journey of self-discovery and working with this counselor and he's seeing all of the people. it's, it's so you all have to listen to it. If you resonated with that people pleasing episode. So he's recognizing this piece of himself. That's just been a constant people pleaser and where it came from. And we talked about this on the episode, but how it came from his childhood, just trying to keep the family Mm -hmm. calm and safe. Cause his dad like would hit his mom. And he felt like if he could just keep his dad laughing, he could control the situation. And it's just an interesting, um, it's just been an interesting thing to listen to because how we make decisions often comes back to these old hurts, these old traumas, why we're doing something. And it really ties into what we talked about in one of the last episodes. So sometimes we're making decisions or not making decision based on a trauma response mm. as a fear of whatever, something in the past of hurting someone, of you know, we're not looking at what we truly want. And so, I don't know, I wanted to just bring that up because I'm I'm getting towards the end and I know he's about to, we just hit pause I know he's about to talk about his ayahuasca journey, which I'm excited to hear about. Um, but y'all should definitely listen. It has some really great lessons in it, along with all of the stories and cool historical stuff about hip hop that I didn't know. But, um, I think we do make make decisions or not make decisions often out of trauma response and out of our childhood growing up. And that's also something to take a look at. Like everything Jill said is like, yes, make it, you can change your mind. You can trust yourself, but maybe there's even deeper shit that's behind it. Especially if you're like this chronic overthinker, kind of like we're talking about is there's maybe something a little bit deeper than, um, than just being an overthinker. Like there might be a good reason behind it that maybe came from a time in your life where it was helping you, like not making a decision protected you. Maybe you waited on something and because you didn't make a decision that something better happened or didn't Mm -hmm. whatever it is. But I, I think we always do things out of a response to something and it's, it's getting us something right. Like you're getting something by either not making it, or you're getting something out of making your decisions quickly. And so if there's a problem with your behavior or you're looking at it and going, I want to change this because it's not serving me anymore. You have to ask yourself, why did it serve you? Or at what point was it serving you? And maybe there was a reason and and really go, okay, but that's not serving me anymore. So maybe I can
1: choose something different now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You need to have that awareness. I'm glad you brought that up because I think it goes both ways. If you had experiences when you were younger of making a decision and I don't know, like even as small as I remember in fourth grade, this one day I wore um, like pink sweatpants, which apparently were not in fashion at the time, but my mom bought them and she wanted me to wear them. And I got made fun of and bullied all day long for these pink sweatpants, (laughs) I never wear them again. So I think, yeah, if you have like these instances where we do something and we make a decision to do something and we get this like blowback, you know, then maybe we're not going to do it again. And the opposite is also true. If you have made decisions and you're confident and and they were good decisions or like things panned out for you, now all of a sudden you're creating a show of evidence that you're a good judge of Judge of decision making, you know, you're a good judge of like, okay, I can follow my gut instinct. I know we did a whole episode, I think, on intuition and making decisions based on intuition, but there is this thing where it's it's sort of a either a positive feedback loop or a negative feedback loop Mm. based on your experience. But to Danny's point, if you have the awareness of like, okay, yeah, I am an overthinker, where does what was my earliest memory of making a quote unquote wrong decision? And can I see now 30 years later, 40 years later? that like, even if that happened now that I could handle it, that I'm a Mm. grown ass woman, that I could handle it. I'm not seven anymore. You know? So I think you need to have that first. I love that you brought that up. That self-awareness piece to go like, oh yeah, that's actually not serving me anymore. Can I make changes? Can I take an action step to change that pattern? And I think you have to have the awareness first to do that. And then like, yeah, it's scary. But over time, just like that other thing was ingrained in you, then you kind of teach yourself to make decisions. It's actually funny because we, (laughs) this is actually really relevant. Um, we are doing some things in the business right now. Over the last like nine months or so, we've been taking a ton of different action. And one of the things that has been helping me to d- take scarier steps in the business is this sort of mantra that we've been using in the business, which is it's hashtag BGB or Big Girl Business. And so there's been moments where I did not want to do shit. I didn't want to like do the thing. I didn't, I was like annoyed. I didn't want to have meetings on my schedule. I didn't want to you know invest in things. But I was like, big Girl business, if that's what I say, if that's what I want to do, then that's literally how I make decisions. So for you, maybe it's what would Oprah do? What Mm -hmm. would the the more successful version of you do? And I think that has helped me a ton because I'm like, fuck big girl business, right? This is, I said that that was going to be my decision-making tool this year and it's paid off, but it has not been comfortable Mm -hmm. at all. you know. So I think if there's a way that you can then remind yourself, because that's when change happens, right? Change happens in action. It doesn't change in like, oh, I would like to be, but like it changed in actual like real time when you would have done something else. And then you actively choose a different, a different way of doing something. Yep. So yep. good.
0: I, I like that going back to, you know, the overthinking and making a decision is asking yourself those kind of questions of like, what would, what would do? What would the other version of me do? What would the highest version of me do? What would 10 years from now, or my 80 year old self look back and tell me to do. And I think coming back to, and we our big theme of this podcast. I feel a lot is coming back to self-trust, you know, trusting yourself, you'll figure it out. And that no matter what the outcome is, you can deal with the fallout and, uh, or deal with, however it should, you know, whatever the decision is, you can change your mind. Nothing is permanent. Um, well, very few things are permanent and, um, it's so funny. And this is not even a funny story actually, but at the (laughs) wedding, yeah, at the wedding, um, we were actually talking to Jade, um, Jill's ex-husband, and we're having a conversation about a friend who was suicidal, like just went through his girlfriend, dumped him. And he goes, you know, I he's like, I'm pro suicide. And I was like, who the fuck says they're pro suicide. But he's like, I'm pro choice, you know, whatever suicide. He goes, but you could choose that tomorrow. You don't need to do that today. And it was kind of one of those, like suicide is a permanent fucking decision, but he's like, how about let's put that on the table? Like it's there as an option, but not today. And, and I was like, you know, that's an interesting way to look at it. Um, cause I have been suicidal in my life multiple times and it's kind of a shift in perspective. Like even those decisions, you can go, you know what? That's always there. Like what Jill said, you can always go back to that idea. Um, but today, like, let's try, like, we're not going to kill ourselves today. We're just going to we're going to keep going. And like I said, it's not funny, but it was just funny to me of somebody even saying they're pro suicide, but also putting in perspective of like, that's an option on the table, but we don't need to take that option. Let's just mm-hmm. leave it there and let's
1: try to do, you know, something else. Mm-hmm. It gives you a sense of comfort, right? To go yeah. like, yeah, oh, like, yeah, the other thing that maybe you would feel safer, or would feel like a better option would it's still going to be there. So why don't we try something different? Mm-hmm. We'll keep mm-hmm. trying something different. We'll keep one, putting one foot in front of the other but there's almost like that. It's a, it's a safe security blanket knowing that that's there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I'm curious, I would love to hear some comments. Um, our Facebook group is open. the best life podcast.com and maybe especially some of you who maybe do feel like you identify as someone who overthinks things. And I would love to hear maybe some instances where you feel like it helped you or served you and maybe that's one of the reasons why you you know stay there i'm very curious um and not as a judgment just i actually am genuinely curious as to maybe the things that you kind of get out of it, but also, um, maybe some ideas to help other people, how you're shifting out of it or how you're making decisions now, and maybe what kind of advice we're sharing that helped, or maybe advice you have that could help someone else who's in a similar situation. So we'd love to hear it. And we'd love to have you subscribe. If you are not subscribed to the podcast, just click on the little subscribe button also would be amazing. If you could leave a review and, um, give us stars what are they like rate, oh, rate and review. Give us a rating. And review I don't think I've seen one For about a month And a half or so So I'd love to see Some new ones Because it makes my day
1: Yeah y'all Thank you so much For those of you Who have left a review It is always so helpful For those looking For a podcast It literally takes 30 seconds You can click on Whatever Wherever you're listening To podcasts right now Go ahead Leave a five star rating And then a couple Of sentences About what you like About the podcast And what would be useful For other people Potentially listening So love you guys Appreciate you so much And we will see you On the next episode Bye guys see ya. Yeah.